The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electronic Toothbrush, the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electronic toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds, so you clean your mouth evenly, and they deliver brush head refills every three months, like dentists recommend. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat, who dat stuff? Who dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our, our, our chant. Duncan Holder podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, you can listen to us in multiple ways. Subscribe to theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Of course, get 40% off of your first year subscription. So go tell your friend, go tell 20, go tell 1,000. Jump on theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder and you can get that 40% discount. Uh, You could get all of our podcasts, all of our great coverage here in New Orleans, of course, nationally, internationally. We have it all here at The Athletic. Or many of you listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. So rate, review, subscribe, do all those great things. And Jeff, we are making this a Pelican's soul pod today. Not not going to touch on Saints. We're not going to touch on LSU, even though I know they just hired Scott Linehan as their new Joe Brady. Uh, that is coming across with some mixed reviews, uh, even though Scott Linehan is probably way overqualified for that job. But we'll touch on that at a later date. Jeff, we are going to be talking all Pelicans all the time here. And uh, I know you're looking forward to that. I mean, you got Zion fever. I'm, I, do you have a Z etched in the side of your heads yet? Just like Zion. Uh, both sides, actually. Nice. And, and I'm thinking about adding one in the back as well. Uh, and, and maybe even like a, uh, you know, a portrait of Jackson Hayes uh, as well on the top of the head because I'm, I'm a big Jackson Hayes fan. No, it's basketball season, Larry. I mean, this is what we should be talking about. And I can tell you, you, you and I talked about it before. Uh, this is a, a global phenomenon we have in New Orleans with Zion Williamson uh, this is not uh, Chris Paul coming to the Pelicans. I mean, there's been no player that's brought the cachet uh, like Zion Williamson, and there's more interest right now, I think, in the team than there's ever been. Even though the team is not winning yet, there's still a lot of enthusiasm being generated by Zion. So I'm excited to talk some hoops. Absolutely, and no one better to jump on and talk about Pelicans basketball then our very own Pelicans beat writer, Will Guillory, who jumped on the athletic train the same day I did uh, about a year and a half ago. Will, Will, it is great to hear from you. Great for you to jump on the pod. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, guys, and I'm kind of disappointed we're only doing basketball because I came here with all of my Taysom Hill talking points just written out. I've got like five of them here, and I thought we were doing some, some Taysom time, but if you want to talk Zion, I'm down with that too. Uh, those takes would be Jeff loves Taysom, Sean Payton loves Taysom, Jeff loves Taysom, <laughs> Sean Payton loves Taysom, and he is the next Steve Young and uh, Jerry Rice all mixed into one. Did I cover it all or what? Yeah, I've got Taysom Hill, four MVPs or five, question mark, written down right here. <laughs> Jeff, what thoughts? 
I think Taysom's better than Zion, but he hasn't tried the basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah, so. that's true. That's true. He played basketball. That's not true. Taysom Hill played against Josh Hill, Saints tight end, in basketball when they were in high school together. Did you know that, Jeff? I don't think you did. I'm sure he could beat Zion one-on-one if they played right now. Oh, That's just the way I feel about goodness. Taysom. So, so Taysom is the, the global phenomenon, not Zion. I would say this, and look, I know we don't want to talk Taysom, but I'm shocked at the polarization that Taysom Hill has created in the last 48 hours or so. I mean, it's pretty amazing to me how many people are – there's no gray area with Taysom Hill. He's either You're either all aboard his train or all against him – uh, and I think that is interesting to me to see just how polarizing a figure he is. And I think people, as someone that, that loves Taysom Hill and is on record as loving him, I think people are way overstating what he did against the Vikings in that one playoff game. I mean, this is a guy that for long stretches disappeared during the season. So I'm not totally on board with it, but I, I know this is a Pelicans podcast. We'll get to that later. Will, this is your fault. You turned into Taysom <laughs> and Jeff was – he he'll, he'll any way he could turn it to Taysom, uh, he will do so. But but look, Will, you've been a a, a part of this uh, Zion train ever since it got started. Ever since they uh, got the ping pong balls uh, in their favor, uh, we all knew it was going to be Zion Williamson. Uh, just you as a reporter, I mean, how much different is it for you to go? Cover a game, cover a locker room. Uh, obviously, first half of the season. All you guys were doing was asking Alvin Gentry for a timetable, and he would make fun of you guys. Uh, but when, with Zion in the building, it's almost – this is a little overstating. It's like Elvis is in the building. I mean, how has it been for you as a reporter covering someone with such global stature already? And he's – I mean, the kid's not even 20 yet. Yeah, the funny thing is last year I was on the beat where the star player of the team was getting booed at home, and now I'm covering the team where the star player is getting cheers on the road. It's pretty crazy how much has changed with this Pelicans team. And, and for a guy that's 19 years old to have, like you said, just a global intrigue uh, with Zion. We've been in arenas where, you know, people are holding up signs. Uh, I, I came from Canada to see Zion or I came from Paris to see Zion. It's incredible how many people are just so in tune with everything that's going on with him. And they've been, just been counting down the days until he can go and I think it's only going to grow from here because we know he's just really getting his feet under him as far as you know being able to play basketball on the NBA level and it's insane to see uh, how many people are into everything he does but the way he's kind of taking that on as well for a, a kid I mean he was in high school a few years ago to just be pre- so prepared for the moment the way he has been in, to handle the media to handle the fanfare it's been crazy to see. And I know if I was a 19-year-old with the whole world knowing everything I was doing and the Jordan deal and you know people telling me I was the face of the franchise, I wouldn't be handling it as well as Zion has, that's for sure. Uh, you don't want to see me at 19 at LSU as a <laughs> second semester freshman or, or a third semester sophomore. I, you don't want to – I'm glad – yeah, I wouldn't handle it well either, uh, Will. Not not at all. But but Jeff, yeah, like Jeff, I know you've been uh, super fired up about uh, uh, Zion, and uh, I mean you you have been more on the train maybe than I have. But that that's just because you're more of a basketball guy than I have. But but uh, Jeff, I, I think you you've you've really kind of beat the drum that uh, this is a global type player that and he's only 19 years old yeah and I wanted to ask Will about the expectations because I wasn't quite sure what we were going to get 
when Zion started playing. Uh, obviously, he's coming off the of surgery, so we weren't sure exactly what kind of condition he was going to be in. But I have to admit, I'm surprised when you just look at his numbers, 19.8 points, uh, 7.5 rebounds, two assists. He's doing this on limited minutes, and he's not in 100% condition. We know that. Has he exceeded expectations for you? Because I think he has for me, just in what what he's doing so far in the limited time he's seen. Oh, yeah, I would say that for sure. And I think, you know, he was stepping into a situation that now, that was a lot different from, from most number one picks that we've seen in the past. Uh, but I think he's been able to come in and be an immediate, you know, impact player, which is, you know, kind of crazy to think uh, the guy is just getting started. And we heard him after the Milwaukee game say he still doesn't even feel like himself quite yet. He said he's used to jumping 45 inches off the ground and he's only at – 35 i know jeff can relate to that you know have only having a 35 inch vertical but zion to get above that one day i just think uh man the guy the fact that he's really just getting getting started in the nba and he's out there just physically dominating guys i saw him in chicago go against Thaddeus young uh, a guy that's been in the league you know 15 plus years and they're throwing it to zion in the post and zion is just moving him around with ease as a 19 year old kid and i think you know, he's just getting started. He hasn't really gotten a full summer under his belt where he can get himself right physically. And he's already putting up 20 and 10s on a regular basis. It tells you what type of talent he has and what kind of you know foundation he can build from going forward. And the fact that the Pelicans have this guy and a first time all star and Brandon Ingram, you know, who's probably going to be a part of the organization, you know, for the long term. Uh, they're starting off in a really good way in this post Anthony Davis era. And it's crazy to see, you know, where Zion's at and just the potential of what he could become one day once he kind of figures everything out. Will, you mentioned just him trying to get his legs under him and that sort of thing. And, like, I, I could talk to just Joe Q, average fan, who's just starting to watch the Pelicans. And you could look at Zion and maybe look that at times maybe he's he's kind of lumbering a little bit. I mean, is that – just kind of his natural look, or or is he still? You feel like he's still kind of getting his legs under him, and that he can move a little bit more fluidly as he kind of uh, gets caught up to speed uh, with health and uh, with the the NBA game and his teammates. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Zion's just one of those guys. He just moves around a little weird. He just looks different than most people. I just think that's part of his his build and just being so unique as a six seven two hundred and eighty five pound guy that plays basketball the way he does. But I certainly think he's going to look a lot different once we get deeper into March and April, once he get, you know, you know, 10, 15, 20 games under his belt. Uh, I think, you know, it was really interesting hearing him say that after the Bucks game, because all we've talked about during the first, you know, five or six games of his career was how easy everything looked, how he was hitting threes against the Spurs in that first game, how he was putting up 20 against the Celtics. And to kind of see him struggle a little bit, it was the first time we got to hear him say, hey, I'm not exactly where I want to be or I don't feel the exact same way I did when I was at Duke. And I think that's expected. We kind of saw the same thing with Lonzo Ball when he first came in and he struggled a lot during his first few months with the Pelicans and he was taking a whole bunch of bad shots. And he finally admitted once we got around December, January that, you know, he didn't really feel right with his ankle. And he felt like uh, once he got a few months under his belt that he started feeling like himself and he was bouncing around and running up the court feeling like himself. And we see how he's looked, you know, over the past few weeks now that his body's feeling a lot better. And I think once Zion gets there, we're going to see him moving around a lot different. We're going to see him scoring more transition buckets. I think that's one of the funniest things about 
what he's been doing so far is it, it really hasn't looked like the Zion that we saw when he was at Duke. We, we haven't seen that many of those crazy transition dunks or those huge alley. We've seen a few of those big alley-oops from uh, him as uh, Lonzo, but it, he hasn't really looked like the guy we saw at Duke, and he's still been pretty dominant. He's been scoring in the post. He's been you know, uh, going up against some of these guys in, in pick and roll situation and making plays and to see him kind of make that progression in his first year at the NBA is nice because uh, I know the people with the Pelicans feel like he can be one of those guys that could do a little bit of everything at one point once he kind of figures out where he's going to fit with his team and to see him kind of making that progression where he's not necessarily doing the things we saw him do at Duke. It's got to be a promising step for this, you know, Pels organization for sure. Will, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned Lonzo Ball, because I think that's a guy that has been a little overlooked in in all the talk about the Pelicans and their recent surge. And to me, he's a guy with a high upside that can be a catalyst for this team, especially the way Alvin Gentry's system works, a guy that can get the ball in the open court uh, play with high pace, makes great decisions. And what he's done in the last couple of weeks you mentioned, I think is another reason. I mean, we, we talk about the core of this team, obviously Zion, uh, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday is a part of that. But I think Lonzo Ball, the way he's playing, uh, he has to fit in that group as well. Yeah, I think having a healthy Lonzo has been a game changer for this team, for sure, just because of the way he's been able to run the offense and allow – you know, guys like Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram to kind of go into their natural roles rather than being, you know, such, such uh, rather than relying on those guys to be playmakers as much as they did earlier in the season. I think that's helped. And I think uh, having a guy like that with Zion has been a, a perfect fit just because as much as the Pels would like to see Zion grow into a playmaker like a LeBron, like a Kevin Durant, a guy who can create his own offense at any time while playing off of other guys. Having someone like Lonzo there who can make the game easy for him and get him those transition layups and feed him in the post uh, is exactly what Zion needs as he continues to grow. You want to see them have that same kind of relationship as like a Steve Nash and a, and a Amari Stoudemire where uh, Alvin Gentry had those guys in Phoenix or a Chris Paul and a Blake Griffin. Uh, I think the Pelicans are hoping those guys can grow into that type of match. Uh, one day and uh, another big part of that is just Lonzo's feeling a lot better with his jump shot and we talked about that you know during the offseason him having that uh, time to work with Fred Vincent the assistant coach with the Pelicans getting his jumper right getting that kind of ugly twitch he had within his first few years now he's going straight up and down with it and having him as a floor spacer because we know when Zion's out there everybody's going to be on top of him they're going to want to prevent him from getting to the rim and having uh, a guy like Lonzo out there that's able to make shots and make teams pay when they're paying too much to attention to a Zion or a Brandon Ingram. I think it's given him a lot of confidence. And that backcourt with Lonzo and Drew Holiday, I think they feel really good about those two guys going to some big games, you know, down the stretch here and having those guys, what they can do offensively and defensively. I think it's been uh, huge for this Pelicans team. And I think it's a big part of why they've really turned their season around. Will, another Joe Q average fan question here about Lonzo. You didn't cover him before when his dad was a big center of attention. Obviously, <laughs> his dad is not a center of attention now that he's in New Orleans. Uh, and as we've been watching, certainly lately, he's been more comfortable and admittedly more comfortable. Do you think, and has this even been brought up to him, do you feel like not having that hubbub around him that he can focus on basketball and kind of gel with his teammates. And it's not about that. It's about playing good basketball and building a young team for him. 
Oh yeah, that's there's no question in my mind about that, and I would say that goes for him and Brandon Ingram. I think two, the both of those guys, uh, while they probably enjoyed the spotlight in L.A., I don't think either one of them was really made for it. I don't think either one of them really enjoyed it that much. Uh, I think they they've been they were dying to get into an environment like this in New Orleans where they all they're focusing on focusing on is basketball. They don't have to deal with all that extra stuff, and, and especially Lonzo. I think so much stuff just got out of his control in L.A. with all of the hype and all of the stuff going on with uh, LeVar and just being able to to kind of work in silence and get that jumper right and get his body right. It's been huge for him. And I think also being put in a situation with Alvin Gentry's offense where it kind of fits his playing style and, and it's not so much uh, – control and he's kind of able to play out in transition and kind of play a reactionary style of basketball I think it's kind of changed a lot about his career and just you know having those guys come in this situation but also come together I think it's helped a lot because those Lakers guys are so close with Brandon Ingram Lonzo and Josh Hart I think they've helped each other kind of adjust to this situation in New Orleans and just being outside of all of the craziness that's going on in L.A. I think that's allowed all of them to kind of improve their games and really become, you know, staples of this franchise. Will, the uh, Pelicans have played a lot better lately. They're 6-4 and four of their last 10. We've talked about that. But what's amazing is they're not really gaining any ground on the Grizzlies in eighth spot. I mean, they're, they're five games back of the Grizzlies and number eight, the Grizzlies are seven and three in their last 10. Uh, I guess with this last stretch run here, I mean, they played 53 games. They've got 29 left. Can they, can they make up enough ground? I know the schedule is, is much easier uh, in this second half of the season. Can they make up enough ground on Memphis to, to get that number eight? Yeah. You know, you didn't even mention the guy they're going to see two of the next three games. Mr. Dame Lillard who's shooting flamethrowers right now. He's averaging like, yeah, 45 a game over the last 10 and I think that's going to answer a lot of our questions how they handle those two Portland matchups because if you ask me I think if I was to put odds on it I would probably say Portland's the favorite right now to grab that eight seed just because of the way Dame's playing and the way they've done a really nice job of adding some vets to that core like Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony I think they're feeling really good about where their roster is right now despite having so many injuries I think they're kind of where the Pelicans have been throughout the years where so many guys have been injured in and out of the lineup and they're still just finding a way to stay in it. And I think that's going to be a big test for this Pelicans team tonight, how they handle that Portland team. But just like you mentioned, I think that the schedule has has loosened up a lot going towards the back half uh, of the season. And I think that's going to help a lot. There aren't as many long road trips. They're going to play much more games at home. I think that's going to be a really important. But the thing for this Pelicans team that I still kind of feel questionable about at this point is, man, they're dependent on so many young guys. And as much as we love the progress we've seen from Lonzo Ball, from Zion Williamson, from Brandon Ingram, you can go down the list. Uh, uh, all of these guys, these, this is the first time they've been in a situation where they're playing in big games with playoff implications. And and I think they're, they're prepared for this moment. I think uh, they, they really like the situation they've been in. But we know if we watch throughout the history of the NBA, it's the older, experienced teams that always just knows how to figure out how to win these games. And when we get to these situations in March and April where it's a do-or-die situation, how are these young guys going to handle that? Are they going to be prepared for that type of intensity? And I think that's the the big question that this team still needs to answer. We know that they've got the talent. I mean, when you look at their starting five, I think they can match up with basically anybody in the West at this point when they're all playing at the top of their game. But being able to, to play at that type of playoff intensity, you know, for too much straight, basically, I think it's going to be a lot to ask of this group. 
Uh, but I do think uh, they, they're feeling pretty good about where they're at, but I think they still have a lot of questions to answer going forward. Well, how much do you get maybe from the public – uh, that maybe overreact and say, oh, my gosh, that they don't realize that it's not just about this year. It's about the next 10. I mean, I feel like I've got to tell people that all the time. And, uh, you know, people wonder about Brandon Ingram. Is he going to stay a Pelican? And he's a restricted free agent. And I say, of course, the Pelicans are going to match any offer that would be extended by anyone. I'm assuming that's that's accurate, right, as far as with Ingram. Oh yeah, I promise you. He's he's not going to be wearing anything but a Pelicans jersey for a long time. They'll make sure that he isn't going anywhere. Uh, they're extremely excited about that core of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and, and Zion Williamson going into the future. Uh, I think they love what those guys bring. I think they they feel great about the veterans they brought in to surround those guys with Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, and Derek Favors. Uh, even if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think they feel really good about where they're going to be next year. I think if you get some of those guys talking behind the scenes, they will tell you that this, t- this team has – to the potential to be a contender in the West next year. Once Zion makes that second year jump, Brandon Ingram gets a full year under his belt in the Pelican system. Uh, they feel great about where they are going forward. And I would say uh, it's funny listening to the Pelicans fans, even from game to game. I think they, a lot of them were kind of furious that Zion sat out the Indiana game a couple nights ago just because right. they want to see this team every night kind of put it together. And just like you mentioned, I mean, they, they've got so much ahead of them coming into the next few years. I mean, Zion's only 19 years old. Brandon Ingram's 22. Uh, I mean, they're just getting started. It's, this is step one in the process of whether this team kind of figuring out what, what trajectory trajectory they can go on. And I think uh, uh, we talked about the, this. We talked to Zion uh, about this a little bit yesterday. I think what the Pelicans are really excited about is, you know, so many young guys that we saw this with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo in L.A., during the first two, three years of their career, they're playing in a whole bunch of games that don't matter. You know, these these games in February, March, uh, they're kind of just playing out the string. And Zion's coming in year one, and he's playing in games where they're going to be important. These crowds in New Orleans, they're going to be hyped up because they've got a chance to make the playoffs and kind of put him in that environment immediately. Uh, I think that's really good for his development and really good just to figure out how you're going to build this team. Uh, going into the next few years, so uh, they're they they feel really good about what position they're in right now, and they're developing these young guys in the right way. It's not a whole bunch of empty stats. They're not playing in a bunch of games that don't really matter. Uh, they're playing in situations where they've got to play the right way and they've got to play winning basketball. And I think that's going to have you know big time uh, effects on those guys in the coming years. There was a, a lot of speculation, Will, about the Pelicans at the trade deadline. Uh, we know that David Griffin has stated uh, that they kind of wanted to, to you know, stay with the status quo, at least for now, uh, and see how this core developed. I think it was smart. They, they, needed because, they needed to because they really didn't have a lot of time to see all these players on the court together. Do you think, having said that, uh, after this season is over and, and in this uh, offseason, that there will be some changes made because they will have had enough time to evaluate how the parts fit together on this team and and maybe we will see some moves to kind of doctor the roster going forward. Yeah, that's interesting because if you would have asked me a few weeks ago what I thought was going to happen during the offseason, I probably would have bet that they're going to end up uh uh, they they were going to pass on moving Drew Holiday at the trade deadline, but uh, eventually eventually they were going to move him during the summer. I always kind of thought that was the plan in the back of my head, but just talking to a few guys around the team and talking to Drew Holiday, I feel like 
man, he's he's really committed to what's going on here in New Orleans, and he wants to be a part of this process of these young guys growing up. And I, I think J.J. Redick, for sure, their plan was to, to keep him around through his current contract, his current two-year contract. I don't think there's any chance he's going to be going anywhere. But, uh, man, it feels like Drew Holiday wants to be here, and they want Drew Holiday to be here. And I think there are going to be a, a few minor tweaks. I think they want to add a few more veteran voices to the locker room. I think the roster is just really young right now. They got a lot of young guys, and I think uh, that's fun uh, to, to kind of see all these young guys growing up. But if you want to play a winning basketball, you want to play playoff basketball, you got to have some more guys that have been around the block uh, on the roster, and I think they're going to add that. Uh, but I think um, going in th- into next year, I think this team is going to look a lot like it does this year just because they they like a, they like what this team has looked like you know uh, during the first few weeks of the Zion Williamson era and they like the fit of this group and the, and especially the locker room fit I think this team all of these guys root for each other all of them enjoy playing together and they really like the culture that's being set and I think that's gonna uh, inform the decisions David Griffin makes moving forward and I think this team is gonna look a lot like it does right now I think the big question marks of course are Drew Holiday uh, his trade situation and, and then Derek Faber versus going to be an unrestricted free agent going in the next summer but if you maybe put up a wager on it i think both of those guys end up coming back and, and i definitely wouldn't have thought that you know a few weeks ago but i just think the oh, zion coming in has changed a lot and, and and it's kind of changed the way everybody's looking at this situation and they feel really good about what the way the team has played since he's in, been in the lineup well how much have you seen alvin gentry maybe feel more comfortable with the pieces that he has obviously there was going to be a transition period when Zion came in and then before Zion came in the Pelicans were starting to play uh, some winning basketball uh, in that stretch right before Zion came back how much do you feel like he's gotten more comfortable uh, in his skin with the pieces that he has and uh, it seems pretty confident that the front office has confidence in him and kind of brushed aside the, the slow start and probably feel like he's the guy to kind of make this thing uh, keep going. Yeah, I think there was so much excitement, you know, throughout the city and throughout the country uh, with this new team and all of these new faces and what it was going to look like with Zion here. And I think people kind of forgot that so much change happened to this roster after the Anthony Davis trade. It was basically a brand new team and there was no way they were ever going to really hit the ground running immediately with all of these young guys and all of these new faces. So it took them some time just to figure out how to play together and how to, you know, mesh on the court. And obviously it didn't help that they they were dealing with so many injuries. Uh, But I think you've finally seen it come together over the past few weeks, and they're playing a great brand of basketball right now, especially with Zion. I think, uh, man, they're extremely dangerous on the offensive end when they've got their core five out there together. And I think it's just a matter of how much – uh, they can t- continue to mess defensively, how much uh, they can really c- stay, c- stay consistent on a night-to-night basis. I think the one thing that uh, that's kind of been choppy at points is getting in all of their best guys to play well at the same time. I think on certain nights it's been Brandon Ingram playing well, and then it's been Zion, and then uh, maybe one of those guys sits out and then Drew Holiday goes off. I think uh, they got to do a better job of just figuring out how to get all of those guys to play together. I think it's kind of the same experience we saw when it was AD, Boogie, and Drew Holiday all on the same team, and there would be certain nights where AD would go off and then one night where Boogie would go off, but it seemed like they never really did it together. 
and they're still f trying to figure out how to make that work here in New Orleans with this new group. Uh, but I think they feel really good, especially about that top three and how they fit together. Uh, I think they complement each other in so many different ways. And we've seen the type of player Brandon Ingram can be and how he can basically play with anybody, and especially with the way he's added that three-point shot. Uh, he's going to be a perfect fit ne next to Zion. And it's just a matter of, you know, how to how to, they can work off of each other how they can kind of complement each other on both ends of the floor and just getting uh, Zion that experience under his belt and where he can uh, not make as many rookie mistakes, not be tired after six or seven minutes on the court. Uh, but I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. It's just a matter of Alvin Gentry getting these pieces to work together. And I think uh, they're playing more of his style of basketball, especially as of late. You see they're moving the basketball. They're playing in transition a lot better. And I think we're going to see continue to see more of that as we get past the All-Star break. Hey, Will, uh, th let's talk big picture here about the Western Conference. There was a time, I don't know, a month ago, where I thought this was the Lakers and the Seven Dwarves in the West. And I'm not sure about that now. I watched that game the other night. I was shocked to see the Rockets beat them with, like, me playing center for them. <laughs> Their tallest guy was like 6'6", I think. Uh, what do you think about the West? Do you still think it is the Lakers' uh, you know, conference to, to have, or do you think this is going to be more competitive once the playoffs start? I still think it's probably going to be uh, the L.A. show. I still think it's Clippers versus Lakers, what it's going to end up coming down to. I like what the Denver Nuggets have been doing lately. I think Houston's going to be really interesting with this super small ball thing that they're doing. But, man, it just feels like uh, the Lakers and the, the Clippers are really comfortable where they're at. I really like the Marcus Morris addition to that Clipper squad. And we still really haven't seen them all together, which is crazy to me. They still have one of the best records in the league. And I want to say they played maybe four or five games with a, an, an entirely healthy roster, which is insane. And I still think, you know, you get Kawhi in a playoff situation, I, I still find it hard to believe anybody's going to really be able to stop him for seven games. Uh, but in my mind, I still got the Clippers as the favorite. I still think the Lakers are going to be right there. And as much as New Orleans fans are going to hate to hear it, I think AD is going to be great <laughs> once we get to the playoffs. I think him and LeBron, they're going to be really tough to stop. Uh, but man, once that, that LA versus LA conference finals comes down, I think it's going to happen. And man, that's going to be an insane series to watch and see all of that star, star power on the court. Uh, but in my mind, I still got the Clippers as the favorite just because uh, they've got so many weapons, and I just don't know how you match up with PG and Kawhi when they're hitting on all cylinders. All right. Well, Will, we appreciate you jumping on the Dunk and Holder podcast. You've made it uh, much better, much smarter. Uh, and, you know, as far as uh, I apologize for our normal, uh, if people remember back when we would do the Dunk and Holder radio show, uh, whenever we would have Will on, it would always be on a Wednesday. I apologize it's a yes. Tuesday because it would be Wobble Wobble Wednesday, and we would always have Boogie Cousins introducing you, and we don't have that anymore. So, look, we, you know, you need to have someone like, I don't know, Zion say, what's up, Will, something like that. We, we need to add that element. So you need, we, we need you to either do that or maybe we could get, like, the Z – shaved in Jeff's chest hair or something. Can we do Ooh. that? Oh, I like that. Uh, we got to figure something out for sure. Maybe I can get Nicolo Melli to say it in Italian, and that'll be the new drop. I, I don't know what's up. How do we say what's up well in Italian? But maybe we can get that going for the next time I come on. Hey, hey look, as, as long as we don't have Boogie Cousins on the show anymore, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> 
Anything oh, goes beyond that. Oh, poor Jeff. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll talk Louisville basketball next week since they're looking at a number one seed. And I know Larry's into that, the college hoop scene, and the mighty Cardinals making a, another run at a national title. We, we can get into that on the next we'll episode. Start talking about that and the preakness. I'm sure Jeff will be <laughs> And then we'll hear about – and we'll hear about Rummel, and uh, I think Will did make an appearance with the fight song. As that's well, right. Uh, during oh, this new that's iteration. right. I did make an appearance on one show. I thought this was my that's first right. one. That's right. That, that's right. Your your first actual like conversation though with us. And uh, I'm sorry that Rummel's relevant to you know national championship teams that reside in Bas- Baton Rouge, Jeff. I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. That's you know that's my oh, influence. But he's still gloating. On that note, no, Jeff, he's still gloating. Always. I mean, Rummel wins. LSU wins. What do you what, what do you want me to do? I think Rummel is as guilty of illegal recruiting as Calipari in Kentucky. <laughs> we we'll get into that on another we'll podcast. We'll get into that in another podcast. On that note, Danielle is going to give us the hook and yank all of us off this podcast. So now I want to thank Will Guillory. Awesome job. This won't be the last time we have Will on this podcast. Uh, he does it like no one else here at The Athletic. So uh, make sure you follow all of his work, of course, on Twitter, at Will Guillory. Uh, and check it all out. We'll appreciate the time, buddy, and I'm sure you will be seeing me and or Jeff at an arena near you very soon. Absolutely, and I guess I'll just have to talk to you guys about all my tastes and takes off air. That's fine, but just know I've got a list here, about 10 or 15, and we'll just go through them next time I see you guys at the SKC. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, that's Will Guillory. Thanks for joining us here. Of course, uh, I'm Larry Holders, Jeff Duncan. Uh, Thanks for joining us here on the podcast, also want to thank our incredible producer, Danielle, who kicks butt as always. So we'll be back next week for another edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. Again, go check it out, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Get 40% off. Uh, you could subscribe and get off that 40% off first year subscription, of course. Also, you can go wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell 20, tell a million get on to this podcast. So for Will Guillory, our, our special guest, for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.